emergency podcast, guys. Yes, sir, emergency podcast, but not for the reasons that you were hoping. No, the Marlins have not signed Jorge Soler, but Jorge Soler has signed seemingly for three years with the San Francisco Giants. Sounds like a great deal for Soler. Equally, what does this mean for the Marlins? And where do they go now in terms of their DH spot? Equally, we've talked a lot this offseason about the front office being super smart, adding in loads of brains. However, the one question I still have around Hoy Soler, for Peter Bendix specifically, why was the qualifying offer not submitted to Soler? Missed opportunity, in my opinion. This is Locked on Marlins. You are Locked on Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England and welcome to Lockdown Marlins. It's your daily Marlins pod. I'm your host, of course, Peter Pratt. Hit me up at Miami Marlins underscore UK on X or Twitter, whatever you still call it. This is your team every day. Thanks for making Lockdown Marlins your first listen. It's a Monday. No, it's not a Monday. It's a Tuesday. <laughs> it's a Tuesday episode and it's a Tuesday morning episode and it's a Tuesday morning emergency podcast episode. The Marlins haven't done anything apart from, well, they've added some more front office guys. We'll talk about them uh, perhaps later in the show. But this episode is primarily to get into the overnight news, the breaking news that Jorge Soler is signing with the Giants. Three years. Not sure on the money, on the total contract value, and what options or opt-outs exist within that contract. So there's a few unknowns at this point. Um, I do wonder if Soler's ended up with effectively like the same type of deal um, that he had with the Marlins. They've basically just done another one. Um, three years, a couple of player options in there. We'll see what it actually looks like. But don't forget to hit subscribe over on YouTube as well, guys. And this episode is also brought to you by FanDuel. You can make every moment more. New customers join today and you'll get $150 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com. Slash locked on to get started. All right, guys. So we are talking Jorge Soler. The news dropped pretty late East Coast. Maybe you guys are waking up to this news and this podcast, maybe. And if you are, good morning. Um, I did wake up to this as well. So it was a late one. The West Coasters are probably enjoying this. Actually, it's probably a perfect time for the, the news drop for those West Coasters. So let's talk about it. Jorge Soler, not to the Marlins. Here's what we do know, though. Uh, Danny Alvarez reporting that the Marlins were still in on Jorge Soler. Um, obviously, weren't able to find uh, a middle ground, let's say, or an agreeable approach moving forwards with Jorge Soler. But here's what we know. Soler signs with the Giants. The Marlins were still in on him, which is encouraging in some ways. It's worrying in other ways. Uh, and frankly... This whole Jorge Soler off-season situation has left me confused. That's, the, I think, the word I would say in, in many ways. I, I feel confused. How do you feel about it? Let's go back to Jorge Soler, the player, because, you know, in 2023, big part of the Marlins and their push to the postseason, big part of that 
The offense in the early part of the season was effectively Soler and Arias and not much else. They needed to, you know, they had to wait until Berger and Bell arrived on the scene to kind of jumpstart things uh, after the deadline. So Soler, big part of that. And, you know, when we look back at Hoy Soler and his time with the Marlins, the two seasons with the Marlins, he didn't end up um, uh, playing out the full period of his contract. When I first when I look back on that contract, I was actually doing Locked on Marlins when he signed. So we have the evidence of uh, of what my thoughts were. My thoughts were, feels like a good fit. Good power stick, absolutely what we wanted. It looked like a three-year deal, but was never designed to be a three-year deal because the way the dollar values fluctuated, that he was only in emergencies, only if things had gone extremely poorly for Hoy Soler, would he ever be opting into that third year? And so it played out as I expected. It was effectively a, a glorified two-year deal. And uh, I think both sides got out of it what they were looking for. The Marlins obviously made the postseason and they got out of Soler exactly what you expected from Soler. There was clearly in 2022 uh, a good period of time missed uh, due to his back issues, other kind of lingering issues. I think that's the one thing with Soler for the Marlins specifically is they, because of the way the roster played out and it was constructed, there was maybe a little bit too much time spent in the outfield than maybe they would have ideally wanted for Soler to spend. Uh, out there. And, you know, I think that kind of did impact him and his the ability to stay on the field. I think in 23, they played it a lot better. Um, they obviously were a little bit, you know, with Jazz moving out of center field, it then meant that Jesus Sanchez and De La Cruz hit the corners. Those three, where possible, were effectively everyday players. Obviously, Jonathan Davis picked up the slack when when Jazz was out. But it meant that Hoy Soler was out there less um, than, than he was in, in 22, which I think was a big part of that. And I think from a Giants perspective, you know, thinking about what role he could and should play, I actually haven't looked at the the Giants' um, projected roster at this point. Um, but my my advice to the Giants' uh, uh, fans, ownership, management would be just plug Soler into the DH spot and roll. Um, so the Marlins actually, I think, got really good value out of that Soler contract. Um, and I think Soler now has the opportunity and has had the opportunity to sign kind of one last big deal. We'll see how big it is and how much committed or guaranteed money there is in that contract. I'm very intrigued to see that. But let's look at Soler's career with the Marlins. Overall, you know, he ends up playing 209 games across uh, two seasons. He had 886 at-bats. Uh, by the way, this is, um, it looks like he had three seasons um with the Cubs early in his early in his career. Uh and so in, in the two years with the Marlins, uh he actually eclipsed all of those kind of uh, plate appearance numbers uh, that he had with the Cubs. Anyway, enough about the Cubs. So the main number you go to with Soler, what's the main number you go to? You go to home runs. So don't forget 209 games. How many home runs did Hoy Soler hit? 49. He almost got to 50. 49 home runs for Soler in effectively a season and a half. And I think that feel like that that feels about right. Like the dude is a you know, he is a dependable 30 home a 30 plus home run hitter. That's what the Marlins are going to lose now as part of this. In terms of RBIs, the interesting part, 49 home runs but only 109 RBIs was hitting lead off a lot. You remember Soler was leading off uh, the most 
uh, unprototypical leadoff guy there is, but Soler leading off 109 RBIs. Interestingly, 97 walks. Like that's the other thing with uh, with with Soler. Ends up with an OBP of 325. Slugged at 473, which equates to an OPS of 798, almost 800 dead. Uh, an OPS plus of 116, 16%, uh, I guess, above average as a as a hitter for the Marlins in the two years that he had. When you actually look at his uh, his 2023 season, that was the year actually that you know he ends up with an OPS plus of 128, an OPS itself of 853, 36 home runs in a full campaign. Like that's that's full and healthy Jorge Soler, to be honest with you. And so, I, I you know, we're looking at his career number. Don't forget he was an all-star. First time all-star as well with the Marlins in 23. Shockingly, even though he has a campaign where he hit 48 home runs um, and he was uh, 21st on the MVP ballot, he wasn't an all-star that year. And so finally at the age of 31, Jorge Soler, an all-star for the first time, which is interesting. He hit 250. In, uh, in in the most recent season, uh, 341 OBP, 36 bombs, 853 OPS. Jorge Soler, listen, he was an absolute stud. It's a huge part of the Marlins' offense. And however way we want to slice and dice this, the reality is the offense uh, will miss Jorge Soler because whilst there's Josh Bell around and, and Verga and obviously Jazz, yeah, and Jesus Sanchez, to be honest with you, there's guys that can hit for power um, that are that are on the roster still. Jorge Soler, you know, uh, the funny thing was as well with Soler, during 23, there were situations where they were like walking, they were walking Arias to get to Soler and then Soler would just punish them. And that was the beauty because Arias was so good, they'd actually prefer to pitch to, to Soler. And actually that really helped Soler. And so... The way the lineup was constructed around these guys, I think, was really intriguing um, and actually brought the best out of Soler because if the Marlins had runners on base, you know, Soler's that power threat, like a pure, proper power threat. But equally, he can take a walk as well. He had everything. He had everything. And so the time that Soler spends with the Marlins was a success. I don't think you look at it in any other way. It was a successful two-year campaign. The Marlins got out of it exactly what they wanted and more maybe than they even bargained for with Soler. He was better. He was actually better than I thought he was going to be. I've not really seen, clearly we'd seen him in the, in the World Series with the Bravos going bananas, but prior to that, you know, with the Royals, it just, I hadn't really watched him. Soler, definitely a lot better than I anticipated and a huge part, and it will be a huge miss for the Marlins, no doubt about it. Let's get into our first ad. Then I want to talk about Soler and how this offseason played out. Because frankly, for me, the there's been mixed messages around Hoy Soler. So I want to talk about that. And equally, what it means in terms of the DH spot. And do the Marlins, are they still active? Seemingly they are because they were talking to Soler. So where do they go next? That's going to be the question that the front office needs to answer. Uh, but before we do that, this episode is brought to you by our good friends over at eBay Motors. Yes, sir up those engines, baby. Um, so guys, passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. 
With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. Yes, sir. With all the parts you need at prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Welcome back to Locked on Marlins, your emergency podcast version. Hoysala signs with the San Francisco, San Francisco, San Francisco Giants for three years. Contract value and structure not yet available at time of recording. So many assumptions are being made. <laughs> so Soler gone. Marlins, we're still talking to him. Put a pin in that. We're going to talk about that shortly. I need to talk about this qualifying offer situation. I have to talk about it. It's nagged at me ever since, and I still don't have an answer. So next time I speak to Peter Bendix, I haven't spoken to him ever before, by the way, but next time I do, or next time anyone that listens to this pod who sees Peter Bendix on a relatively regular basis Put a mic under his nose and ask him directly why there was no qualifying offer submitted to Jorge Soler. Why? Why? You were still interested in him. So, okay. You'd like to bring him back. 18, 19 million is absolutely not an overpay for Jorge Soler. Absolutely not. And the most likely situation with this was that Soler would decline that because he was looking for a three-year deal that would probably pay him upwards of 50 million in some sort of guise, whatever that contract looks like. So we've talked about all off-season. The priority has been all off-season. We're going to rebuild the operational side. We're going to put ourselves in the best situation for the future by bringing in tons of analytical guys, loads of baseball minds that are going to make the core of this organization better. A lot of people are very on board with that. I am on board with it as well, clearly. You only have to look up the road and see how successful the Rays have been for how long. And it's easy to buy into. Easy, because the Marlins, they kind of like peak up every once in 15 years and do something. The rest of the time, it's just a, a rebuild. We don't want that. We don't want that as fans. We want what the Rays have got, which is a well-run organization, layers of talent, and in the mix. So that is where our minds are at. That, is, that are our expectations. Let me just call it out, though, by the way, that at the moment, everything linked to these new hires, this new direction, is hypothetical. All we can talk about is what has happened in the past, in their previous roles, in their previous organizations, that they were perhaps a cog in the wheel of. This is a different organization, different people, different roles, different responsibilities, different pressures. So we don't know how it's going to pan out. We don't. We can turn to the 2019 draft and go, look at that draft. It was an absolute bust. We'll talk about it on tomorrow's episode, by the way. But right now, we have no body of work on tape to work from from this front office with the Marlins, apart from, apart from a few trades they've made thus far, plus, in my opinion, the first decision that had to be made, that had to be made, 
And the decision was to not extend the qualifying offer to Hoy Soler. I'm struggling. I'm not. I don't have the baseball IQ of any of these guys. I'm just a fan of the podcast that's been following the Marlins since 2016. That's it. They're my credentials. They're low credentials. I've never played the game. Low credentials. But for a team that says to me, we are going to prioritize rebuilding the front office and we're going to prioritize actually restocking the farm and delivering on what was effectively Jeter's idea, which is everyone's idea in a, in a small market, which is you need to build through the farm and have layers of talent, et cetera. The usual mantra. And so that, that was, that was the, the pledge in some ways. With Jorge Soler and this situation and the, the known situation that he's likely to be seeking a multi-year deal upwards of like 20 million per annum, there's a really good chance that he's not going to accept the qualifying offer and a really, really good chance that if he doesn't, he's going to get what he wants and the Marlins will have a draft pick compensation return to them. For me, it was a no-brainer. Like, not even a, a, a consideration of, should we? It's, when can we submit this qualifying offer? <laughs> I just don't see the downside. And that's the first decision this front office has made, the first decision that Peter Bendix has made, and I think it's wrong. I think he made the wrong decision. Someone put a mic under Peter Bendix's nose and say, Peter, why did we not extend the qualifying offer to Hoy Soler? Because I, frankly, do not know. I don't know why. This one, this decision, honestly, is right up there. It's right up there with the Adam Duvall, Adam Jackson. Adam Jackson? Was his name Adam Jackson? Alex Jackson. <laughs> oh, but see, and that kind of sums it up. The Alex Jackson trade for Adam Duvall to the Braves. That one's right up there for me. I'm mystified on that one. I remain mystified primarily because something smells wrong with that. It smells wrong because there was a final year of arbitration that was available, even though that Adam Duvall could opt out of that contract. And I, I still believe to this day that somehow the Marlins forgot about that or didn't know about it. So they just traded Duval. They panic traded him for scraps for a guy that they moved on from really quickly in Alex Jackson. So this one's up there. I think the Marlins botched the Duval trade. I've covered that enough over the years. I've seen no evidence to suggest that they that, that was any different. And frankly, with this Soler decision, Peter Bendix's first decision, I think he botched it. So the only Bendix, I'm not trying to slam Peter Bendix. I just, I just don't understand the why. I know the decision, but I don't understand the why. And for me, I'm looking at it going, this is a no-brainer. No-brainer. Soler isn't accepting the qualifying offer. He's seeking three years plus. He's never accepting that. He's going to get three years. And by submitting the qualifying offer, you get an extra draft pick. When your priority, your top priority, is building the farm. Make it make sense to me. Someone tell me. Someone tell me. Because I'm absolutely dumbfounded on that one, to be honest with you. Let's do the final ad, and then let's talk about what this means for the DH spot. <laughs> I'm going to cool off for sure. Um, this episode, guys, is also... Brought to you by our good friends over at FanDuel. 
and get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. Bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same-game parlays, exclusive props, and more. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on and shoot your shot. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. All right, guys, back here with me, Peter Pratt, on a Tuesday emergency podcast. Hoy Soler signs with the Giants. Details not yet available in terms of contract length and structure and value, but we will get them soon. Probably talk about it in tomorrow's episode. But the Marlins were in on him, but they couldn't close a deal. The Marlins had the opportunity to submit a qualifying offer, but they decided not to. Not sure on that one. Let's just talk about what it means for the Marlins moving forward. I've spent enough time dwelling in the past. I want to talk about going forwards. So, Daniel Alvarez, a man I trust, uh, particularly with Marlins-related news. He'll be close to this. Danny Alvarez saying that the Marlins were still in on Soler. So that says to me the Marlins are still looking to add to this roster. Still looking to add. Still looking to add. And, and effectively, you are signing Soler. You are signing a DH. So the Marlins are still in the market for a DH-type dude. So that's encouraging that the Marlins aren't done with this roster. Because to be honest with you, I'm going to talk about it this week as well. We're starting to get to that phase where it's like, okay, projecting the opening day roster, etc. And really, that's pretty easy to do right now based on the information we have. I don't want to spoil, there's no huge spoilers here. Um, I don't want to ruin that episode. I want you to listen to that one and, and hear my thoughts. But when I look at the offensive guys in particular, considering the trades and the lack of options available for those guys, like the roster kind of shapes itself at this point. You know, for me, the key key questions will hinge on where does Xavier Edwards start and is Avicel Garcia on this roster? So let me just talk about that one because for me, if the Marlins are still prioritizing a DH, someone like Hoy Soler, for me, I'm I'm still convinced. I'm con- I'm still I, I've always been convinced that the Marlins are looking to to move Avicel Garcia. He's movable, in my opinion, because now that you know. As time ticks on, the Marlins eat more and more money. And we're in a situation now where I think a, you know, let's say a 50% retained element of this contract. Let's say the Marlins eat 12 million and the other club takes on 12, like a 50-50 share on Avicel Garcia. I think they could make that happen now. You end up with Avicel Garcia at 6 million per annum. You know, a guy with a proven track record, a guy that can hit well against left-handed pitching for sure. Like, there's a market there for Avicel Garcia, in my opinion. I think the Marlins, for some time, have been looking to move Avicel. And, I, you know, with them still seeking a DH upgrade, because right now you've got Avicel Garcia plumbed into the DH spot, maybe in some ways. And particularly off the back of this Nick Gordon news, where they've effectively, and, and the Marlins are positioning him as an outfielder that can play in the infield. That, to me, says, well, he's got no options. and uh, he's down as an outfielder. So is Nick Gordon your fourth outfielder? If so, is Avicel Garcia your DH right now? Yes, by default. If Avicel Garcia is your DH right now and you're still out there trying to sign Hoy Soler, and there's other guys still available, we'll talk about them in a sec, but if they are still available 
and you're still seeking an upgrade, then what does that say about Avicel Garcia and the way the Marlins think about him? He's on this roster because he has to be. They haven't found a taker. When you start to project your lineups, you, you plumb Avicel in there somewhere, but you piece this together. Nick Gordon's in the outfield. The three guys we know about as the starters. You know, Avi could platoon with Jesus Sanchez, and they do need to think about that Jesus Sanchez platoon. And so I've always felt that there is a role that Avi could play, but it is absolutely not as the everyday DH. It's absolutely not. Um, so, you know, the indicators here to me are still the same, that they're looking to, they're looking to add and they're looking to subtract. Peter Bendix has shaped this roster quite aggressively in many ways during, you know, during this off season, a lot of the 40 man, uh, is, is now Peter Bendix. It's Bendix ball, baby. It's low cost, high upside dudes. And frankly, with Abacel Garcia, he's high, high cost and low upside. And so he absolutely does not fit the profile, Peter Bendix. What does this mean, though, in terms of DH opportunities? Well, we spoke about quite a few. Me and Sean dug into it the week before last on, you know, where the market is at. Um, you know, J.D. Martinez is out there. I do wonder from, a, from J.D. Martinez what kind of contract length he's seeking. I feel like if there's a one-year deal to be done with J.D. Martinez, you know, that that definitely is a good fit for the Marlins. So, you know, Soler's gone. You then go, okay, J.D. Martinez next up. You know, but all the other clubs that are seeking, and we're talking to Soler, of which we believe there's multiple, we'll be thinking the same. So J.D. Martinez is the next best option. And in, in some ways, he may have been the best option anyway for the Marlins because I get the sense that Soler was always looking for three. I, I feel like Martinez, J.D. Martinez, probably would take one with an option or even just a, a, a one-year deal that's happy to go year to year. So we'll see. We then get into maybe more of the bargain basement guys. You know, if the, if the Marlins were talking to J.D. Um, Hoy Soler, still talking to him, then that says to me that there is still money to spend. That's the other thing I'd call out. You can't be talking to Hoy Soler expecting him to sign a one-year $3 million deal. You have to be expecting, if you are speaking to Hoy Soler, and maybe you're trying to minimize the total contract value in the number of years, you'd have to pay him 20, in and around that 20 region, in and around the qualifying offer number. So that says to me that the Marlins still have money to spend. They will spend it. Bruce Sherman's going to drop on this pod now and say, we will spend. Um, so maybe there is, there is that one-year deal for J.D. Martinez out there, you know, a 20 million or somewhere in that range. I don't know. Um, you know, it's a good fit. It's a good fit. All the signals are pointing to the Marlins still active in that space. We'll wait to see if a deal gets done. Clearly, the bargain basement option that, you know, someone I trust and has a proven record uh, suggested to me that the Marlins were speaking to Dan Vogel back as well a few weeks back. Haven't heard anything since. Um, but again, Dan Vogelback is one of the guys that would fit more of the profile as, well, who is left and who can we scoop up? So that says to me, once J.D. Martinez is off the board, maybe then Adam Duvall. But I mean, the Marlins clearly didn't value Adam Duvall a few years ago. So not Adam Duvall. What's Cody Bellinger saying? He's saying he wants loads of years and loads of money. Who's going to give it to him? Maybe no one. You know, there's still a few dominoes to go until you get to Dan Vogel back at 3 million. <laughs> so here's the main takeaways, guys. Let's just finish here. Soler to the Giants. Great deal for the Giants, seemingly. He's a great piece. I don't, I don't care what the money looks like and what the years look like. 
The Giants are adding an impact stick. Soleil's 23 was well above average. He was a huge part for the Marlins. He'd be a big loss. I'm dumbfounded by the decision to not offer Soleil a qualifying offer. I still have no idea why the Marlins and now seemingly the smartest organization in all of baseball due to these hires decided not to. I have no idea on that, to be honest. Where do the Marlins pivot now? They were still talking to Soleil. They have money to spend because if you were talking to Soleil, you have to have money to spend. Where do they go? Who's their next guy? Who can they get on a one-year deal? Can they get J.D. Martinez? Can they get Adam Duvall? Do they want Adam Duvall? Why would you not in some ways? But that's going to be the question over the next like couple of weeks. So what is the, what's the impact then on the roster? We'll wait to see. We'll wait to see. Right now, for me, Avicel Garcia is a sitting duck, and I think he could be traded. Uh, I think there's a way to retain half the money and move Avi, to be honest, considering maybe the upside and some of the attributes he has. So we'll see. One other thing to call out, pitchers and catchers are reporting this week, baby. We're going to see chain link fences, people throwing stuff, catchers doing their thing. And, you know, listen, when the Marlins pitchers are reporting, you know it's when the juices start flowing. So, you know, spring is close. The Super Bowl's done. Great game, by the way. Really enjoyed that game. Like, I know some people say, oh, first half is a bit slow. It's always slow in the first, you know, first half Super Bowl. The defenses are good. They're always on top. But then, you know, it, it came alive in that second half for sure, offensively anyway. And Patrick Mahomes, boy, oh boy. I mean, this isn't locked on Chiefs, but Patrick Mahomes, the poise, the poise that guy has is incredible. Just unflappable. You know, Brock Purdy, quality as he may be, good season as he's had, great amount of talent around him. For me, the difference was stark between Purdy and Patrick Mahomes. The poise, obviously. Mahomes has been there and done it. Brock Purdy, less so. And I think that showed. And I think that's the little difference maker there at the back end of that game. But equally, man, oh man, the 49ers. You know, that botched uh, that botched punt return that hit someone's heel. The missed point. Like, the 49ers will be sick with that one. No doubt about it. But something I did see uh, talked about was Andy Reid won, I think, 11 games. Um, the year before he, they went and traded up for, for Patrick Mahomes. They had a quality side. They had a quality roster, but they knew they had to do something at quarterback. I'm wondering who's going to be that that organization this year. And even if there are any, I haven't even looked at the NFL draft in any depth at this point. Like, are there any difference makers? There's, there's always a difference maker or two, I guess, coming out of the draft, right? But I'm really intrigued to see, uh, you know, who's who's the organization that maybe looks to do that. Nevertheless, appreciate you joining me, guys. Appreciate you joining me on a Tuesday morning emergency Hoy Soler podcast. I'll be back tomorrow. I want to actually, there's some news I have to dig into. We need to talk about Peyton Burdick and the fact that he was DFA'd. That happened over the weekend. There's so much happening right now. So let's talk about Burdick. Does he clear waivers? Don't know. Probably. Uh, so we'll talk about that. Plus the front office adds more. And equally, we start to look ahead at what this roster could and should look like if no more deals are done. Caveat to that is I'm expecting deals to be done. Look forward to seeing you soon, guys.